I'm Andy Chrisman, and for the past four decades, I have found myself in the middle of the phenomenon that is the Christian music industry. From my years recording and touring the world as one of the guys in For Him, to my years as a mega church worship pastor, and for the past 16 years, I've been hosting a radio show called Worship with Andy Chrisman, heard on 500 stations around the world every week. And because of all this, I've been blessed with a unique perspective. I've toured with, recorded with, and become friends with just about everyone that's responsible for the music that plays on Christian radio and sung in churches everywhere. And I think that makes me the perfect person to share their stories with you here on One Degree of Andy. My guest today not only had a successful Christian music career with 16 number one songs as a solo artist and a songwriter, but he's also figured out how to do what every other CCM artist has tried to do, have that second career away from the traditional national label in touring life. And let me tell you, he's figured it out. He's a guy for him toured with a couple of times in the 90s, and he now lives with his wife, Katie, in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, and he has one of the hardest names to spell in the history of Christian music. Please welcome my friend, Scott Crepain. Scotty, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I, I enjoyed listening to that. That was, that was uh, I, you know, I need to I have somebody it. read that to me every Nailed morning and, and I'll feel good about my day. You know? I want to know. I don't know if it's all know. true, but it sounded nice. I don't know. We'll go through that here in a minute because I, I got it from your website and Wikipedia. I don't know which one is, is more uh, reliable. But Website probably. I did, I did just change my birthday. Um, or birth year on Wikipedia. Oh, um, because make yourself older or younger? Uh, older. And I changed it once years ago, and somebody changed it back to the incorrect date. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll be one year younger, whatever. I I don't understand Wikipedia because I'm like, who knows? Like, who's doing this? I don't understand. I don't. Somebody says, oh yeah, I read all your stuff on Wikipedia. I'm like, I don't have a Wikipedia page. They're like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, oh man, it's a little freaky. How many ways are there to spell your name? Uh, well, uh, there are two ways that I use, but other people have used lots of ways. So <laughs> there's, there's the legal way that we never change. It's K-R-I-P-P-A-E-H-N-E. Um, so that I never changed legally, but you know, in the nineties and once I signed to a record company, they're like, that might be a problem. Can we talk about that? So <laughs> we did, we did do a spelling change. Uh, K-R-I-P-P-A-Y-N-E. And I was like, I don't care what we spell it to, just whatever that is, let's let people be able to pronounce it because that's yeah. what we yeah. what we want to do. And and I remember go it was like one of the first days after that I went someplace with that. They're like, Mr. Crepani. I was like, perfect. We've <laughs> we've nailed it. This is great. We've already failed, but you know, whatever. That is part of it. I'm working with some new artists right now in Nashville that are about to get signed and they're all you know, they're trying to figure out what their name is going to be when they hit the stage. I'm like, I, it never crossed my mind to change my yeah. name. I, I look back now and go, eh, I would have liked a different name, but you know, whatever. We made it. Well, it never crossed my mind. I mean, I knew it was going to be an issue, but I wasn't really mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, I want to change this. But I was also very much like, I came in young, codependent, and I was like, you guys know what you're doing. If you say it, I'll be agreeable to that. Let's let's do it, you know. <laughs> the and, biggest uh, mistake we make as young artists going, oh yeah, hey, that sounds great. Yeah, we trust you. Go ahead. Totally. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> totally. Your yeah. vision sounds great. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, uh, I remember I remember when we first hired our manager, Mike Atkins. Did you were you one of Mike's clients? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so I remember Mike taking a look at our 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 record deal and he goes, Oh no. 
<laughs> We're like, what? He goes, uh, I can't, I can't work with this. You guys, you guys sign this on your own. No, I got nothing to work with, but um, man, I remember, I mean, speaking of names, I remember uh, we were out on tour with with Clay Cross and we went to uh, Memphis for a show, which is his hometown. And this dude came up and went, Wally. And yeah. he was like, I saw him go, oh. and we're like, wait a minute, <laughs> Wally, what's going on here? He goes, uh, yeah, my real name's Walter. We're like, wait, we got to like, like that was kind of my first first time you know with someone's like you wait you changed your net well okay wait a minute yeah wally wally crosno probably isn't as good of a stage name as clay cross so yeah i totally get that i mean i like wally crosno and i and do too funny you, funny you should bring that up because when i first moved to nashville um one of my part-time jobs was delivering airline tickets for a travel agency back wow. when there were travel agencies yeah. and paper tickets yep and i would deliver to some of the music companies um, and I had a ticket for Wally Crosno or Walter Crosno that I delivered to his <laughs> management company. And I was like, and piece two and two together. I was like, oh, okay. And <laughs> learned the same thing. It was like, oh, that's a, you know, it makes sense where you get Clay Cross out of that. But yeah, yeah. I, it's well, it's it's brilliant marketing. I mean, you know, that's uh, somebody, somebody had a great idea. I, I'm going to have him on the, on the podcast as well here pretty soon. And that's Love one of the it. things I really want to dive into. So tell me what all you did. Before you, I don't know if you like this term, hit it with your first, with your <laughs> first album or first single. Like, what were all the when you first moved to Nashville? Where'd you move from? And you know, tell me what life was like before you, you know, like got out on tour and made this a living. Sure, I mean, I was uh, well. I, I knew I wanted to do music since high school. Um, got into college, and I met met Christ uh, right before my senior year of high school. Um, and, and so my music began to shift in what I was writing about and singing about at that point in time, um, because my which was, what? was what, like, what, 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 what did it shift from? Well, I, I was doing just pop music. I mean, I loved, I love melodies. I listened to journey and Billy Joel and Hall and Oates and all of that. So, but I wasn't writing songs about my faith. I was just writing songs about the girl who didn't like me, you know, um, Were there or a lot the of girl those? I liked or whatever, <laughs> you know, which were there and, more of. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dive into that. The, plenty of girls who didn't like me. Um, that I was, you know, I was a stalker. I just wrote songs for him, which was, which now might be cool. Um, but I don't need to do it now. Uh, but it was creepy then, you know? Um, but yeah, so, so I was doing that, but as I, as my faith began to, you know, it, it, all of a sudden it was like, Oh, wow. I, I know Jesus. He knows me. He loves me. So that, so I started, you know, it wasn't like, wow, I'm only writing what we'd call CCM or Christian songs, but my faith was finding its way into the songs I was writing. Um, fast forward a little bit into a couple of years into college, got involved with the worship, worship group at a college fellowship thing, was playing piano and singing for them. Uh, had some opportunities to sing at a camp or to go play a few of my original songs at different churches. And so it kind of just blossomed into this thing um, that by the time I was done with college, I was like, I just want to keep doing this. I don't know what it looks like. There was no roadmap for how do you yeah. make a living writing songs, singing songs, but right. um, had a really supportive church up in Seattle um, near out, outside of the university of Washington 
And they kind of gave me an artist in residence where they're like, hey, hang out with college students 10 hours a week. We'll get you a host family and you can build this ministry thing um, without as much of a financial burden. And so I was able to do that for about a year and had a friend who had a a friend of his dad's worked at the William Morris agency in Nashville. And so he sent my little independent cassette down to this guy and that guy heard it and called me up and was like, Hey, I, I, I hear some stuff on here. I hear some potential. What do you want to do? And he encouraged me, like if I ever made it down to Nashville, he'd be willing to set me up with some meetings. And so to have that was someone in the industry, I guess is, you know, it sounds like such a cliche Uh term, but someone who basically gave me the confidence to go, Oh, somebody hears something. He wasn't like, wow, you're great. But he's like, I hear potential. And, um, and that got me to take a trip to Nashville, which led to a move to Nashville and, you know, having meetings and thinking it was all going to happen quick and nothing ever really happens fast. But, um, but I did, I did have, um, the, my first trip to Nashville, I went with my older brother, which was fantastic uh, because he was able to to offer some perspective. I mean, I met with seven different like A&Rs and publishers and thinking that somebody is going to hear one of my songs and just sign me to this deal and my life is going to change and whatever the dreams of a 22 year old might be. Yeah. Um, and no one did. Uh, but at the end of the trip, my brother was like, yeah, I know what you wanted to happen didn't happen the way you thought, but he said, but you have six people now, six out of seven people you met with all said they want, were willing to listen to more songs and to send them more things. So those are six new relationships you didn't have a week ago. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's good. Uh-huh. And, that's uh, so good for young artists to hear too, is that it is a process. Like if, if you really want to do this for a living, you just got to keep writing. You got to keep recording. You got to keep doing demos. You got to keep meeting people. You got to get out there and sing. Like that's yeah. it. You just, you got to get out there and sing and get your chops, get you, you trying to figure out who you are as an artist and somewhere either nobody's going to like you and then you move on to something else or somebody yep. will go, I get it. And you're, you've got your foot in the door and you're on your way. So what was the tipping point? Like, like how did, how did it then turn to where you got your deal and and started with your career i had it was early on i moved i moved to nashville in october of 1993 um had a couple relationships of people that were i think i'd signed a single song deal to a to a publishing contract where basically he heard a publisher heard one song says i like that song i'm not gonna you know pay, pay you to write but i would like to sign that song let me see if i can place it on a record so that was a door in. And when I moved to Nashville, that publisher, Michael Purrier, who was with BMG and oh, yeah. had started his own company, mm-hmm. Final Four Music at the time, he uh, he basically said, what's that? Uh, he's a le- Michael's a legend. Oh, he's he's incredible. Yeah. And and he uh, he basically said, hey, here's the kitchen at BMG. Here's the coffee mm-hmm. pot. You are welcome to come in any day and drink our coffee and and hang out here. And so four days a week, I was in there sitting at the kitchen table by myself, drinking their coffee, writing songs by myself. Wow. Um, and after a couple of weeks, he's like, you're in here a lot. I like that. Have you ever co-written? I was like, nope. He goes, would you like to try that? So he set me up with a couple co-writers, um, uh, Dwight Lyles uh, yeah. and Tony Wood were the two, oh my my gosh. two first co-writes. Yeah. And 
And so Michael was kind of testing me out with that. Both of those guys apparently reported back that it went well enough um, that he offered me a small publishing contract to basically get paid to write songs. You know, wasn't enough to live on, but he was also helpful in getting me some. Uh, and knew, he knew that I had a desire to to be an artist and to sing yeah. as well. And so he wanted to help out with that. Found me some opportunities to sing on demo recordings of other songs and get paid some money for that. Mm-hmm. Got, helped find me a part time job delivering airline tickets. Yeah. So basically, could he was like, I don't have enough to pay you to do this full time, but I believe in you which was huge to have Uh somebody be a champion. And uh, so that was kind of the first in. And really what I didn't know at the time, but learned a couple of years after, Michael was definitely, as he was pitching my songs for other people's records, was kind of in the ear of the A&R, like, hey, listen to this guy's voice though. He, you know, he's, I think there's an artist here, you know? So he was kind of pitching me as an artist as well. What year was that? That was uh, 93, 94. Okay. Um, so I moved in the end of 93. So I probably signed the, the deal with him in early 94. Um, and by, gosh, probably the end of 94, um, had some interest and mm-hmm. uh, event, eventually signed a, a deal with, with Word Records. But even that, I mean, all these stories, it's like they're, I know I'm rambling, but the, each time I say something, it brings up something else. So John yeah. Mays was the, the A&R with yeah. word that I signed with a uh, great guy, incredible uh-huh. guy, also a legend. Yeah. And great John, bass player. Had, great bass player too. No kidding. And a heck of a yeah. songwriter. That's right. Um, but John had heard some of my songs and heard my voice and, and he would have told you, he's like, yeah, like it, but don't get it. Don't hear you as an artist. Um, and I was writing with an artist he recently signed uh beck uh can't remember her last name because she's married now um but we were writing a song to pitch to point of grace and so she and i wrote that day she was sick we invited john to come down and hear the song so i had to sing this song and he said that was the day that it clicked for me he's like ah i get it now whatever was transferring to to tape he wasn't hearing but he got it live and so that was the day that clicked for him and he took me out for lunch the next week and basically said, ah, you know, it's, what do you want to do? How can we make this happen? Wow. That's you know? you, okay. So you said point of grace, which takes me, uh, we're going to take a little left turn here, but yeah, people ask me all the time and you know, I've, you and I've had this conversation before, but um, people ask me all the time, what's your most embarrassing moment on the road? I'm like, Oh, it wasn't on stage. It was backstage. And you were, you were with us in point of grace. You were, you were, uh, opening for us and yeah. uh, you would go on first and then point of grace would go on and do their set. And then there'd be an intermission for him would go out and do our set. And then we'd all kind of come back together and do something at the end. And I'll never forget you and I were, we were backstage and there was a room and I have this memory of, of uh, the NBA finals on TV and at, at like probably the bulls. And it was back in that era. Yeah, probably nine ninety five, ninety six, something like that. And um, you were you were you were kind of waiting to go out at intermission to go back to the product table and sell merch and sign on. You know where I'm going with the story? I um, don't remember the story, but if you, you will, if it's around ninety six, the yeah. Seattle Sonics were likely in those finals. So uh, I would have definitely cared if yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I remember. You, anyway, we, I mean, we were watching. We were watching pretty intensely back there, and 
you were like, hey, where are the girls in the set? Because you didn't want to miss, you know, going back through the mission. Yeah. And I, I leaned my head out of the door and I was like, oh, they're singing that incredible song of our faith. Jesus doesn't care. And you went, <laughs> you went, oh, really? You don't, you don't like that song? And I went, dude. And you're like, no, 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 no. I want to hear like, you're like really nice about it. I want to hear your feedback. And I was like, yeah. well, maybe it's the way it's being set up. And it's, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, just, it's something hit me different with it. And I honestly, I went back and looked at the lyrics, like literally yesterday when I knew I was going to have this conversation, I'm like, oh, it's a great song. And you mentioned Tony Wood, you wrote that with Tony. Yeah. And you said, I remember you saying, well, I, I didn't write the lyrics. I just mainly wrote the the music for that. And he's like, but my name's on it. So I have to stand by it. And I just remember, like man, I remember being mortified, but yet completely put at ease by your reaction to that just to go, okay, that's a friend. That's a friend who would go, you know, let's just talk about it. I mean, maybe you secretly hated me after that comment. Not at all. But I, since I, <laughs> since I lingered, forgot obviously. the story until now, yeah. <laughs> I clearly, I didn't secretly hate you. Uh, and you know what? It was in that moment. I remember going, man, you just don't know who's a part of what in this industry because it's so tightly wound you don't know who's yeah. who's played for who and who's been you know who wrote for who and uh that you know it, that 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 spider web just kind of goes all the way through christian music and man i just remember that that that's that's literally my most embarrassing moment in christian music but uh, well if that's you know. if that's your most embarrassing then you haven't been embarrassed much so i mean that's <laughs> i have i'm glad have. i'm glad i, I I honestly, here's the thing. I don't, I don't get embarrassed on stage. I really don't because part of my personality is, Hey, mistakes are going to happen, sure. you know, or I'm going to, and I've had plenty of times where I've, I've said the wrong thing or whatever. For some reason that doesn't bother me as much as the interpersonal dynamics of, you know, I, I, I want to, like, I want to be respected by my peers and I don't really care about, I don't say I don't care about the audience because the audience just makes us who we are, but I don't, I, I think because I don't know people, the people sure. that we sing to as much, I'm, I'm more concerned with how we see each other and respect each other and have these relationships through the years. So anyway, I just had to throw that in there. No, Jesus I, doesn't I care. That. It's a really good song. <laughs> well, and it's, thank you. Uh, and I'm fine if you still don't like it uh, or if you don't like, <laughs> because I mean, even, even with that, I mean, with that title, part of that title is to shock. You yeah. know, it's to get you to go, whoa, what are they saying? Um, like, but he does care. He I does. Totally, yeah. Totally. But you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. But. Yep. And, yeah. and I, no, I, I totally get that. <laughs> and, and the other thing is it's not like anybody can have a different, you know, uh, take on their theology. I mean, shoot, all churches agree on everything. So, yeah. you know, oh, wait, that's not right, is it? People disagree uh, on stuff. That's I think that was really healthy, and, it, especially now with <laughs> digital media and you know, everybody's got their, everybody's got their theology out there online. I mean, it's now's the time you better know your Bible. I, yeah, it's, I mean, but even, yeah, that, that's the thing. We're all going to have, we bring our experience. The Bible's the Bible, but how do we mm-hmm. interpret that Bible? And what does our experience bring into that? What do our, what does our tradition bring into that? I mean, it's, it's an interesting take. I, I keep leaning on, I know there's something I have gotten wrong. I just don't know what it is, but I'm sure there's something that I, you know, yeah. but even, yeah, I, I'm just trying to lean into loving people, you know, that's hard enough. And, yeah. and if I can, if I can lean into that, I'll, you know, 
uh, I feel like I can sleep well at night. I can try to love. And that's well. that's the goal, isn't it? Is we want to be able to lay our head down on the pillow at night and go, I, 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 I feel good about what I've done. Yeah, I lived well today. Yeah, you know, I lived right. today. Yeah, right. that's right, man. Those are those are true words, brother. I don't know how many people you've lost in the last three or four years. It's it's just it's mind boggling to me how many people are not with us anymore. And literally just every day you go, thank you, Lord. I've got light in my eyes and breath in my lungs, and you've got more opportunities for me today. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, I think that's something about, you know, uh, aging and getting Mm -hmm. older is that, that, uh, that we're going to lose people. Certainly the last couple of years, uh, just having gone through a pandemic, we're going to lose more people. Yeah. But but aging, it's like I've lost both mm-hmm. my parents. Um, my oldest brother is going to turn seventy next year. Same, um, which which I just go so that that makes seventy feel a whole lot younger to me. It does, you know. But yeah, but I I had a coffee with a with a seventeen year old yesterday. Up a, a musician, he's a producer and stuff. And I'm like, at seventeen, you can't even see thirty. Thirty feels ancient. Oh, it so does. How do you, I know. How do you process? What you Wouldn't you love do. to be 30 again? Yes and no. But I mean, knowing what I know now, <laughs> yeah, it'd be right. fun to be 30, but I don't need to live those years again. Yeah. You know? We were watching we were watching Tom Brady play last night, and everybody's talking about how old he is at 45. I'm like, oh man, I'd love to be 45 again. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, I take I take 45. Although, you know, I'm kind of happy to be out. It's it is, it's a yes and no for me. It's yeah. like I'm happy to be done with my 40s. Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's something freeing that happens with every decade. It's like, You're I didn't right. mind turning 40. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind turning 50, but, um, yeah, there's, I find a little more freedom and caring a little less what other people think, yeah. you know? Um, I, I agree. I, I'm the same way that the, the fifties have been my favorite decade so far. Yeah. Just because you're kind of right. You're kind of like, I don't, I kind of don't care what people think. And I feel like there i have a lot to give to the next generation and you just i don't know until you get there it's hard to explain yeah but, but I, I totally hear you it's like it's shifted for me over the last four or five years of what you know the 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 dreams of oh how can i write this cool song it's like i'm not gonna be an artist i mean i i am and i will always be but i'm not gonna be some TikTok sensation or something that has zero desire for me to try to, to, to become. Um, and I know the reality of, you know, what we listen to, what the ad buyers buy. And I go, well, what, how can I give back? How can, you know, I've, I've been successful in a way I still get to make music. I'm very grateful that, that, God has allowed the doors to stay open and that he's opened different doors over the years. I've also gone through a lot of tough stuff and been through eight years of, of counseling and therapy. So I'm kind of like, I have, I have a lot to offer and I can see different perspectives. And so it's, it's fun for me to be able to come alongside young artists and writers and maybe offer an opportunity to make the path a little straighter or to connect some dots or to, you know, oh, cool, you're 18 and you're crazy successful. And at the same time, I can see that you're miserable, but you haven't you mm-hmm. haven't opened that up to yourself yet. So maybe giving them an opportunity wow. like, are you still 
are you happy doing what you're doing? You're making a ton of money and your people love you, but you don't seem happy, you know, or just maybe posing some different questions. So, yeah, I, when I do mentoring and coaching, um, one of the things I, I tell younger artists and worship leaders that I work with is one of the reasons you can trust me is because I feel like I've made all the mistakes there are to make. You know, I feel like yeah. I've, I've checked all the boxes like, okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And sometimes that's better to share than, okay, do this, do this, do this. Cause everybody's different, Yeah. but we all make the same mistakes and you get to a certain point where you just go, yeah, okay. If, if you don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do that, cause I've done all those, then you're going to be fine. And, and you're going to be fine anyway. Just, just keep going. Uh, I yeah. want to talk about that for a minute. Be, you know, uh, I mentioned before we got started or as we got started that, you have figured out this post Christian music career. Figured out's um, a really strong term. Let me just, I don't know well, if I got it figured out. Look, but. I mean, hey, uh, you know, every time my grandkids are here, I've got to hear the Paw Patrol soundtrack. They've got all these toys that play Paw Patrol all the time. I mean, even if you just, <laughs> if, if it's on your tombstone when you go, I was a successful Christian artist and I wrote the Paw Patrol theme song. I mean, I mean, <laughs> look, you're you're everywhere. Like your music is, is, is everywhere and it's not limited to just one genre. And what I love about you, Scott, is that, is that you've kept your faith strong. You still keep a connection to what you did in Christian music, but you're so multifaceted in the music that you create and, and where, and where it is right now where people could find it. Uh, can, can we just take a little bit of a, of a journey on how you made that transition from a Nashville artist to now basically being on the West coast and, and having your hands in so many, so many of the shows that we see and movies that we watch and, and, and songs that we hear everywhere. Mm. Uh, well, it, 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 the story isn't as seamless as you make it sound. Um, I'll start with that, but it's, well, it never know, is, is it? it? It's a road with a lot of potholes and a lot of corners and turns. And um, I remember kind of when I was, hitting getting closer to 50 i, I kind of look back and i was like all the things that i've done in my 40s i didn't even know existed when i turned 40 like the opera yeah i knew there were things out there but i kids music wasn't on my radar singing commercials wasn't on my radar there were just a lot of opportunities that happened so i can either be freaked out about 50 to 60 and where work might come from or not come from or i can be like who knows what what doors may open up in this decade so i'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other and enjoy the ride as much as possible. Um, but to, you know, to, to reference the for him song, uh, kind of, uh, but the, you know, we, gosh, we spent, my wife and I spent 10 years in Nashville. Uh, so we moved back to Seattle in 2003. Um, so 20 years ago I was, uh, I'd done, I was still signed to my second deal. I'd gotten dropped from, did two records with word, got dropped. I don't think they termed it that way. They have some nicer term than that, but essentially, right. you know, we weren't selling enough records to make them want to pick up an option, Right. but found a new home at Spring Hill, got to do uh, four records there. Um, and, uh, and because I was like, I still feel like I'm called to do this. I still have a desire to do this. I'd like to, you know, so if I can have a partner in a record company to facilitate some of that, I'm glad I got another 10 years of being able to tour and and make the records that I that I had a heart to make and say the things that that God was putting on my heart in that season. Um, 
you know, so we transitioned to, to Seattle. I was still making records in Nashville. So flying back and forth quite a bit and then touring, just flying out of Seattle to do that. So a lot more red eye flights. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I, but I knew that season would come to a close. I knew that, uh, you know, generally people are not artists forever. Um, the, the songwriting window, uh, can stay open a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, kind of had my eye out for when are concerts going to slowly tail off. I knew that at the end of the Spring Hill deal, I didn't want to make another commitment to a record contract because right. a company is not going to sign a one year or one record deal. They want more than that. I was like, I'm not committed to more than that. Um, and I was also doing some songwriting um, out in Los Angeles. I wanted to expand what I was writing, loved writing the themes that we were talking about in the CCM world. But I also was like, um, my faith allowed life to be bigger than that. So how do I take my faith and write these, write a love song, but have it come from a, you know, Christian worldview. Um, so trying to, you know, be a light and feel like I succeeded at that sometimes and, and failed at that sometimes, but learned a lot through that process. So but what I was doing was expanding. The technology was changing. Yeah. Um, so moving and doing setting up my own little studio here in Seattle all of a sudden was a thing that became more affordable you know than it was mm -hmm. a decade prior um so i did a couple independent records up here was writing different songs for things and had a few times and i'm like i think the dream might be done honey should i find, you know talk to my wife like hey should i start looking online for you know, a worship leader position somewhere. Is it time, you know, is real estate the next thing? I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and teach math in high school. I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, don't. I mean, there are a couple of times and she's like, do not quit this thing. You're supposed to be doing this. You're good mm -hmm. at this. Um, and, and every once in a while there'd be, we, we joined a new church out here. Um, the, the pastor was, a, a also a songwriter. So he and I started writing some stuff. We entered this song contest for American Idol in 2007 yeah. um ended up winning that so that was kind of a a boost and a bump that kept me going for a while had a, another song a few years later in the in the Christian world that that I wrote uh with a, a buddy named Scott Davis uh we were we got together to watch basketball so there's that basketball theme again yeah and at halftime started talking about life ended up writing a song that day got recorded did really well allowed for that season to continue a little while longer. So it's just, and, and, uh, somewhere along the line, I think it was 2000, it's been 10 years now. So 2013, um, we had an opportunity just through relationships. Um, you know, you, you, if you treat people kindly and, and go about your business and, uh, that's kind of, it's, I've tried to play the long game for lack mm -hmm. of a better term of going i'd like to to make music for a long time i really love it it's a feel like it's a gift that i've been given and i want to give back and and just different relationships that might disappear for five years and then reappear um ran into to a uh it's, it's too many stories to tell but basically had an opportunity to connect with a, a dude that i'd met eight years previously um and I met his manager at a, at a dinner in, in Los Angeles. And she's like, hey, we're doing some kids songs. You might be good at that. Do you know Smitty? And I'm like, I do know Smitty. We've talked about writing for eight years. We never have. First song we wrote was the Paw Patrol theme song. 
And it was just taking a shot at a kid's thing. I'd never written kids music in my life. So we were, you know, and, and he and I wrote two shots at that. I wrote a couple other shots with a couple other people, you know, just hoping we can get something. And, but even with that one, which has, has turned into this thing that has gone beyond what any of us really could fathom 10 years ago. Um, we, we knew we made it to the final two songs and we'd done some edits on it. So we knew we were in the, in the hunt and had a shot and we got a call, um, one day saying, Hey, really sorry. Thanks for all your work on this. We went the other direction. We chose the other song. Um, so we were significantly bummed. We didn't get it. Um, the day after we got another phone call, some other executive who had more power said, Nope that's not the song this is the song so we got the call like well you guys won it and they had to make another call and tell the person from the previous day that they now had not won it so it's that it it it's not random but it feels random and and it's like i'm just gonna try to do the best work i can and know that i can't control whether something lands or not all i can do is try to do the best thing i can and that one has you know, opened up other doors that now I'm like, what do you do? I write kids music and I love it. You know, it's, it's a, I watched those Mr. Rogers movies a few years ago and balled my way through both of them and, and realized, you know, in some ways he was a surrogate father and I knew all the words Mm. to all those songs. And I was like, you know, this is a, a gift that I've been given in this season of life to hopefully give, you know, kids an opportunity to smile that, you know, uh, among other things. So. That's wonderful. I love that. And I, I just say, thanks for influencing my grandkids. I've got five now. And I mean, that's, you know, it, 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 it's not as, you know, when I hear a kid's song, especially something like Paw Patrol, I go, oh, that's so easy. Like, oh, look how easy that is. But I know it's not, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that goes into that. But that, I think that's the beauty of a great song is you go, Oh, why didn't I write that? Why didn't I think of that? So I just love that, man. I love that, you know, that you didn't give up and Katie didn't, didn't allow you to give up on, on what you were gifted to do. I just think that's so important and success doesn't always come the way we think it will. And that happens in every, every era of life. I'm a walking, breathing example of that as well. And everything that God's got me doing. Um, I want to switch back now um, to your time in Christian music in the 90s, because yeah. that's kind of what this podcast is all about. And, you know, um, your kids, when you talk to your kids about about that era or the stories you tell to people, what what are some of the stories that come up or some of the memories, I think maybe the core memories of, of those days and uh, your early career or, you know, when you had your first number one song, what like? What are, what are some of those places you always go back to and, and like to talk about? It's, um, I mean, it feels like family and I, and, and I know there are going to be people who wouldn't believe that, but I, I feel like for my, with my experience and, and my journey in that, I feel like I got to hang with some great people. I have no horror stories. I, I was treated kindly and generously and invited to go on tours with you guys with point of grace with kathy tricoli and just feel like i was loved well um so y'all start to get emotional um but it it um i made a lot of friends and 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 it was just fun that it and those friendships and those relationships 
like I still hear a song come on from then and I'll be like, oh, and it reminds me of a time of singing backstage or watching basketball or, you know, hearing you do warm ups or, you know, I mean, it's just it's it's fun memories. And I think um, I hey, I I love a good worship song. Um, and and having said that, I appreciate the stories that we were able to tell through songs in the 90s that it was there were vertical worship songs that were written and sung there were also um, a whole host of other songs that um, people were writing and singing and we were at a time in the industry side of it um, and the listenership side where those songs could get heard where they could find radio airplay or now streaming airplay um, and, and I'm really grateful for that because I was, I'm not a guy that I don't write worship songs. Well, I, I feel like that about, like you said about the Paw Patrol, like it seems so easy and yet I know it's not. <laughs> and I, and I seem like I could have written that and yet I don't, and it's hard. And if I sit down and try to do that, it's not, it's not what I do well, you know? And, um, but I, so I, I love the content of what those songs got to be in the nineties. And, and that's what drew me in. That's it's the Michael W. Smith's and the Stephen Curtis Chapman's and the Cindy Morgan's and the four hymns, because, you know, that's the other thing that while I got to um, spend a small season, a part of that thing, I was a fan and impacted by the music um, previously. You know, my journey as a recording artist at least on a national level, started in 1995, but I got introduced to Christian music probably in 1987, 88. So, yeah. you know, going to a White Heart concert, going to a Rust Half concert, um, knowing four hymn songs, and then like I'm hanging backstage and I, you know, and, but it, it, there's that immediate thing. And then it's like, oh, and these guys are nice and we're becoming friends and, and, and everybody's just a person and we all, you know, have things that we're, you know, that we're struggling with and things that we get to celebrate. So, yeah. Is there one person in particular that you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought I would meet this person. Like, I know for me, like when we, we, I think it was like 90, 93, maybe was when we, um, we got to do that first young Messiah to remember young Messiah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, the, uh, Gaither vocal band had backed out. And weren't going to do the tour, and they called us in last minute to do it. And man, we're we're I'm, I'm on a bus with Carmen, you know, and and there's just like there were these people. And I'm just like, what what is happening here? Uh, I remember that was a that was one of those moments for me. I'm like, I don't I don't know how I got here. Is there is there some place for you, some memory core memory for you of meeting one of your heroes in Christian music and just like what 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 am I doing here? Yeah, the I mean, there's the one that comes to mind because it was it wasn't too long after I moved to town, but I wasn't assigned artist or anything. But the Katinas um, had Seattle connections, and so we got connected from some common friends up here. Love those guys, so they, and they were just embracing. You know, they they like come over, come hey, we're going to play basketball, come play ball with us, and. And I can't remember who all played that night. The first night I played ball with them, but but I remember Michael W was there, and I wow. think Toby Mack was there. But I remember wow. blocking a shot from Smitty, and that was like my introduction. <laughs> and I'm so part of me is like, and I got a little height advantage, you know. Not that he's a, you know, he's not short, but um, 
but it was still like i'm going just blocked a shot i probably shouldn't have done that that was probably a really bad career move that you know or but it's still this thing of i can't believe i'm playing ball you know and that because that was so early on that i had you know i hadn't been out in the road or anything at that point so um yeah that that comes to mind but you know weird weird things that when you when i didn't expect somebody to know who i was and they'd come and be like hey scott and be like you know you you what you know me you know but i still feel that way around a lot of a lot of people so i and i hope we never lose i do too and i hope we never lose that and it's um you know it's um i'm grateful as you are as you shared your story that we've had that opportunity to make some really great music to make some really great friends and for that music to still feel timeless i don't know if it does to you it does to me um and and you know there are there are there are younger generations that are discovering that music and it kind of blows my mind you know i'll have I'll have people that are I have young young people that are you know 16 17 18 years old come up to you and go i just heard my parents just played me for him and it's actually really good like i like oh really thanks for thanks for being surprised but yeah um no man i love no, it I, think I, you should... I agree with you i mean so when you when you sang about for future generations you meant it and then yeah. you know now they're i mean but it yeah, it, it feels, I mean, it's timeless in a way. And I'm, I'm really glad we, we got to tell the stories and I, and I feel like such a tiny part of it, you know, I mean, it, because we never, the, the, in, in so many ways, I never lived up to the record company expectations of what record sales they thought would be because, um, a record company can believe I'll, I'll use me as an example. They can believe in me as an artist and think I'm a nice guy um, and think I have something to say. But at the end of the day, they're investing a lot of money in whatever artist they sign. And so right. they are, you're still an investment. It's like, yeah, we believe in what you're saying, but we also believe that you can sell enough records to make this make sense from a business venture. Not just make mm-hmm. sense, but really be successful. Right. And so I, I didn't live up to those early on expectations. And yet, I somehow still got to do it for like 15 years and it was really cool and got to meet wonderful people on the road and got to, you know, see the, see the country at least and see some parts of the world and get to meet cool, cool people. It will, that will always feel, you know, special to me. I, I, and I, and I really feel like I was, I don't know if protected is the right word, but I felt well taken care of, um, by the, the folks that I got to, to be around. Well cared great. for, I guess. I'm I'm glad that you have that perspective. Um, and I love you, bro. Thanks for sharing your story with us. I, I just I love that there's, you know, that we could just sit down to just like we'd go to dinner and like no time has passed. I, I just want to tell you too, just personally, you know, like thanks for returning my text and and, and reaching out. <laughs> thanks you, for texting. You, well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, I know so many people that I consider friends and they're, they're awesome, but they just don't return texts or, you know, emails or whatever. And I just want you to know that I, I appreciate you and, and I'm, I'm excited for what God is doing through you and all the opportunities that he has and, and that the future is never ending with God. I, I don't believe in retirement. I think that if we've got something to do, let's do it until our last breath, until the yeah. light goes out of our eyes. So Man, I just I, I appreciate you, Scott. I, I I'm 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 honored to to call you a friend, and you know, best of 
luck. Do we say luck as Christians? I think. Oh, I don't think. I don't think we're going to get in trouble sense. for it. Yeah. So. Best of luck in everything that you're doing moving forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for texting. Hey, thanks for listening. Join me every Monday for new stories from the Christian music industry and beyond. If you want more content like this with a lot of great music, join me for Worship with Andy Chrisman, airing on 500 stations around the world every single weekend. And when you get a second, run over to my website, andychrisman.net, for more information about my professional vocal coaching and an incredible new resource for worship pastors called The Worship Table. Hey, we'll see you next time on the One Degree of Andy podcast.